Welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor is here to connect people with Jesus and with each other. If you're looking to get connected, you can find more info at harborchurch.com. Now here's this week's message from Pastor Josh. Welcome to Harbor Church. How's everybody doing? You got to be doing better than I am, man. Um, I will tell you, I made some friends shooting that video. Lots of random strangers. Dude grilling in his backyard, never met him till like two minutes before that scene. Like seriously. I was like, hey, you want to be in a video? You're going to love it. Uh, it was fun. It's fun. And we're so glad you're here. If this is your first time or your first time in a long time, my name's Josh. I am the lead pastor here at Harbor Church. And man, we're thrilled that you're with us. Thank you. Thanks for coming out and for taking a little bit of your time to say, hey, what, what, what could God be telling me? We are in the final week of a series that we've called At the Movies, where we're just looking at uh, truths that you can find in some random movies. Now, we chose the 80s as a decade just to do something fun and to you know give a little shout out to times past. And we decided for the final week to end on one of the most iconic movies of the 80s is a movie called Ferris Bueller's Day Off. How many of you have seen this movie? You know what I'm talking about? That is way better than like the Princess Bride got. I'm, man. Okay, some of you didn't raise your hand because you weren't alive in the 80s, and I understand. Um, this movie, this movie has had so many spinoffs, and it's, uh, I think a lot of people would say this movie is about a kid skipping school. And I think one of the reasons it's so popular is because everybody would love to be Ferris Bueller. I mean, he just, the guy just, the guy just falls backwards into good luck. Like everything he does just seems to go well for him. And, and we look at him we're like, yeah, that's what I want. And here's the thing. We decided when we were going to do a, a series called At the Movies, the point of this series is not to glamorize Hollywood. The point is to simply say, God, is there a truth that we can be reminded of? Because there's times I'm driving in my car and I'll see something or I'll hear a song or maybe I'll be talking with one of my kids or a coworker and God will remind me of something that's just profoundly true. If that can happen with a book or a song on the radio, it can happen with a dumb movie too. So I'm not saying the movie is what we got to live by, but I am saying that sometimes Hollywood touches on some truths that you and I can kind of lean into and be reminded of. Now, here's the thing about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Months and months and months ago, when we picked the movies and we were talking about it, I was like, yes, a a whole movie about somebody taking a day of rest. That's what I'm going to preach on. And I was ready for it. And then God had me preach a message on Sabbath and rest not too long ago. And I was like, okay, but then what is, I thought that would be Ferris Bueller's Day, God. Like, isn't that what that movie's about? And so I watched it a few more times. And when I realized that the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off is about, it's about how much we love to lie and try to get away with things is what it's about. So it's a whole different kind of message that I'm going to be preaching this final week. And here's the thing. It reminded me of a story in the Bible. There's a story in the Bible where there's a guy who's a lot like Ferris Bueller. And I think if we're honest, many of us have a lot of Ferris's tendencies. We just don't get away with it like he does in the movie. See, there's a story in the Bible about a really rich guy who is not a believer. He doesn't believe in God and he doesn't like the Israelites, but he gets struck with leprosy and nobody can cure him. And And with all of his money and all of his power and all of his prestige, he he can't get any cure for his leprosy. Then he hears that in this nation of Israel, there's a man of God, a prophet by the name of Elisha. And he says, and and people told him, uh, actually, it's one of his slaves said, hey, this Elisha is so close with God that I, I think he might be able to heal your leprosy. And so this rich man named Naaman, he goes to find Elisha. And Elisha won't even come out and talk to him. Elisha sends his servant out. A guy named Gehazi goes out and says, hey, Naaman, if you want to be cured of your leprosy, you need to go dunk yourself in the Jordan River seven times. And, and Naaman doesn't believe it, but he, he, he's so desperate, he decides to go and try and, and, and to see if, if this prophet, who wouldn't even come out and talk to him, if this prophet has enough power, if the, this God of this prophet has enough power to cure an incurable deadly disease. We pick up the story in 2 Kings chapter 5, in verse 14, it says, So Naaman, he finally relents, and he goes down to the Jordan River, and he dipped himself seven times, and as the man of God, just as the man of God had instructed him, talking about Elisha, and his skin 
Remember leprosy, this deadly disease that, that affects your skin and causes it to turn uh, ashy white and it, 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 it causes these, these gross and this, this, this huge deformity. It says his skin became uh, healthy as the skin of a young child and he was healed. And all that grossness just fell off of him. There was nothing magical about the Jordan River. It was his willingness to obey the instructions from God that led to this miraculous healing. And so it says, then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. And they stood before him and Naaman said, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. And remember, he, he worshiped a false God. He worshiped multiple false gods. He says, now I know who the real God is, is what he's saying. He says, so please accept a gift from your servant. Let me pay you for this miracle. And Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And even though Naaman urged him to take a gift, Elisha refused. See, what Elisha is saying is, hey, God's not for sale. Like in your, in the section of the world that you come from, it's all about power and, and prestige and money. Here, where, you, where we understand the one true creator God, he's not for sale. It's not something that only the elite get or only those with money get. You're cured because God choose to cure you, not because of your money, Naaman. And Elisha's teaching him this, and it says in verse 19, Elisha tells him, now go, go in peace. And Naaman started home again. So I, I cut out the majority of that story because most of the time when pastors or preachers talk about this passage, they want to build up the, the, the whole story around somebody finally being cured. And it's an amazing miracle. It's a cool passage. I've preached it several times. I love it. But here's what I want you to see. That's not what reminded me of Ferris Bueller. That's just the, the, the opening credits, if you will. See, I haven't even gotten to Ferris yet, but in order to understand it, maybe I should refresh your memory on what kind of person Ferris Bueller was. The very beginning of the movie sets the tone for who Ferris is and what he's trying to do. So watch this clip, and then we'll, we'll jump into the message. Anybody that has a sibling understands that way more than all the people that were only child. Because you, you sit there, you build attention, not just the sibling rivalry, but you get an insight into who Ferris is and what he's doing. And the whole movie revolves around that, the con. The big pull it over everybody's eyes, that the, the trick everybody into thinking that you're homesick when you're really going to have a fun day. He's playing hooky from school. He's, he's going to have this huge adventure while his mom and dad are at work and everybody thinks that he's in, he's in bed. You can see some of the staff and people wearing the Save Ferris t-shirts. As the movie goes on, the rumor spreads about how sick Ferris really is and kids are raising money to get him a new kidney and the Chicago uh, Cubs have it on their sign, Save Ferris, and the water tower says Save Ferris and everybody's trying to save Ferris and it's just a big lie. He's just conned everybody, and you get to see a little bit of that. And it reminded me, this is the part of the movie that is true. This is the part that, that, that I said, yeah, you know what? That's all of us. Every single one of us have done something like that. Now, maybe you never played hooky from school because you're a nerd. And <laughs> that's fine. Some of you are really good about that. But what I am saying is all of us have lied, and all of us have tried to get away with something. I would argue that right now at this very moment, many of us in the room or those watching are actively doing something you shouldn't be doing and trying to get away with it. Zero people nodded their head yes. Not one of you, like, no, I've never done that. You're just a whole lot of liars. Routinely, like, yeah, yeah. Now, we don't want to admit that currently we've probably got some hidden things that we're doing, but... Let's, let's, just, let's just talk about the past. Yeah, in the past, maybe I've done that. See, this is the thing that the Bible just tries to call out of us because we, we tend to live in denial. Remember that the Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned. Let me just draw your attention for this, this, this first part. Everyone, everybody. Do you know who's included in that? Yes, you are. Good. Bueller. 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 Yeah, everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glory. So all of us are Ferris Bueller. 
on the, in the truthful side of this movie, all of us are Ferris Bueller in that we all do things we shouldn't and we all try to get away with it and we consider it like our own little like adventure slash like con job. Like if nobody really looks deep into my life, they, they, they're not going to know that I'm not what I say I am. If I, keep it, if I keep it buried, if I put up enough tricks, if I do enough, nobody's going to find out. This is what Romans chapter 6, verse 1 says. Should we keep on sinning? Should we do that? Should we be the kind of people that try to get away with things to see how much we can do? Paul tells us that God forgives us and God takes away those sins. And because we've, we've had a life of doing stupid stuff, God will still forgive us. God redeems dumpster fires. It's one of, the, it's one of the, the messages that we're so proud to proclaim here at Harbor is that your jacked up sin that you've been committing and that you've hidden, God knows about it and he forgives you for it. And a lot of people love that. They're like, oh, I love that we're real. Well, part of being real is admitting that you're a con man sometimes and that you're trying to get away with stuff you shouldn't be trying to get away with. Now, the movie glamorizes it like, oh, we all deserve a day off. No, get your butt in school. But what we, what we don't want to admit is that when it comes to the spiritual side of things, we're all doing this. It says, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his grace? Of course not. If you're a believer, if you're here and you say, hey, I already, I, I, I've put my faith in God. I've, I've accepted that Jesus Christ needs to be the Lord of my life. And if that's your story, and I know not everybody here can claim that because some of you are trying to figure out what you believe. You're not sure what to believe, and I'm, I'm just glad you're here listening. But for those of you that would say, hey, I've made a decision to, to put my faith in God and not in myself, then this is, it's talking about you. It says, of course not, since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? What we watched Sunday night, those of you that came out to the beach for what was probably one of the single most beautiful nights in the history of Harbor Church. I've been doing ministry for over 20 years. I've been in church for 40 years and <laughs> I have never experienced what we experienced Sunday night. That was phenomenal. Phenomenal. And I hope to replace it with an even greater memory. But as of right now, that's going down in, in, in my all-time top 10 memories. It was just so beautiful watching everybody just come out and, and, and go public with their faith. What they were saying when they got baptized was that the old them was dead and that Christ had given a new version of them. They were made new is what their shirt said. The old them is gone. The new them is walking with Jesus. And what Paul's saying is, if there's a new you... <laughs> then you shouldn't be doing all that you used to do trying to get away with things that you knew you weren't supposed to be getting away with. But pastor, what if I can get away with it? Oh, nobody thought that? Because that's exactly what I think. I'm like, I know I shouldn't, but can I? Can I do this? And if nobody gets hurt, and if nobody finds out, then is it really a sin? <laughs> I mean, is it really bad? <laughs> okay, just me admitting to the truth tonight. <laughs> Let me continue on the story so you know why I, I chose that story about Naaman getting healed from his leprosy and Elisha refusing a gift. Because the very next verse says this in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 20, but, but, but Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God. This is Elisha's the man of God. Gehazi was his servant. So Gehazi watched that whole thing happen. He watched Naaman covered in leprosy bang on the door. He got to tell Naaman, no, Elisha's not going to come to your beck and call, but he will tell you what it is that God has for you. Go dip in the river. Uh, Gehazi got to be a part of that. So as of right now, he's a good guy. But then he starts talking to himself. And he said to himself, my master should not have let this Aramean, talking about Naaman, the rich man, should not have let this Aramean get away without accepting any of his gifts. As surely as the Lord lives, I will chase after him and get something from him. So Gehazi set out after Naaman. And when Naaman saw Gehazi running after him, he climbed down from his chariot and he went to meet him. And this is showing Gehazi's heart because a, a person of his stature would never have jumped down out of the chariot. But he was so excited about having this new relationship with God that he was like, man, I'm, I'm humble. I'll do whatever. And he sees the servant of the prophet of God coming. So he jumps down from his chariot. He says, dude, what's wrong? What's wrong? 
Like, you're not going to take away my miracle, are you? I still get to be free of leprosy, right? And he says, what, what's, what's wrong? What's, what's going on? And it says, is everything all right, Naaman asked? And it says, yes, Gehazi answered in verse 22. But my master, Elisha, has sent me to tell you that two young prophets from the hill country of Ephraim have just arrived, and he would like 75 pounds of silver and two sets of clothing to give to them. By all means, take twice as much silver, Naaman insisted. He gave him two sets of clothing, and he tied up the money into two different bags, and he sent two of his servants to carry the gifts for Gehazi. But when they arrived at the citadel, Gehazi took the gifts from the servants, and he sent the men back. Then he went and he hid the gifts inside the house. Now, he knew his master said, no, 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 God's miracles aren't for sale. We don't want a gift, Naaman, that's free. You don't earn God's love. God loves you and is cleansing you for free. There's a whole message I'm not even preaching here. And then Gehazi says, well, I think that's short-sighted of Elisha. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work a deal. And he goes and gets the money. And it reminds me, as we look at Gehazi's motives, it reminds me of what we see in Ferris Bueller's motives. Watch this clip, and then we're going to dive into it, okay? What we see there is we see uh, Ferris coming up with all the reasons that he deserves to get out of it, right? Like, like I don't need to go to high school. I deserve a day off. He, he even starts to show you some of the lengths he goes to. I don't have time to show you all the clips. He, he rigs up a dummy in his room to move when his mom opens the door and a snoring machine to go off so she thinks her little baby's in there sleeping. He goes to a lot of trouble to make sure that he can get away with this. It reminds me of, of what Gehazi did at the very beginning, did you notice in verse 20, I read, but Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, my master should not have let this Aramean get away without accepting any of his gifts. See, what Gehazi does is what you and I do. We're going to talk to ourselves. Man, I deserve a day off. School sucks. It's tough. I can skip. When we get older, Playing hooky from school just turns into bigger things, doesn't it? Man, I deserve to tie one on and just let off a little steam, right? I know I'm not supposed to get wasted, but like I just, I, I've earned it. Just get a little high, right? Well, I know it's not, it's not the best thing for me, but being in this relationship I shouldn't be in, it just feels good for a few days. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be with some people I shouldn't be with. We begin to justify... I know it's not the most ethical thing, but if I get a couple more sales, I'll have a better commission. And this is a little shady, but in the end, it's worth it because I deserve the promotion or I deserve the extra money, not my coworkers. So we begin to justify all the reasons that we should do the thing that we know we shouldn't do. Guys, listen, having a good excuse doesn't mean it's a good choice. Let me put it to you this way. If you're looking for a reason to sin, Satan will always make sure you have a reason. Uh, I, I wasn't going to do it, but then I came up with a good reason. That, that you will always do it. Oh, well, I only did it because, yeah, there will always be a because. Stop lying to yourself right now. The sin you're doing is available to you because you don't need any good reasons. Any excuse will do. What? Hey, why are you sinning like that? Because it's a Tuesday. <laughs> you don't need much more reason. And yet we act as if, though, that justifies it. Well, pastor, you don't understand. The reason I'm so bitter and hateful and mean towards them, even though God clearly commanded me not to be, is because of something they did to me. Right? Right? The people you hate, the people you refuse to forgive, the people you're holding a grudge against, it's justifiable because you know that they deserve it. See, this is where the, this is part of the message where everybody gets real quiet. Because we have justified, Gehazi's standing there going, it's not right that this Aramean who doesn't even believe in God gets all of that money and all of that gold and all that power, and here we are, Servants of God living all poor and destitute. We need a peace. 
I'm going to get some, is what he literally says. I swear to God, I'm going to get something from that Naaman guy. You're going to find out what he got from Naaman in a few minutes. What he says is he, he, he says the reason that he thinks that he should be able to lie, to steal. He justifies his greed. Some of you have been justifying your laziness. You've justified your hatred. You've justified your lust. Well, it's just, it's just a couple porn sites. It's not that I'm actually doing anything. No, no, no. You're justifying something you shouldn't be doing. It's just, it's just the way to unwind. It's just the way. This is just a thing for me to do to relax. This is just a friendship, and it's not going to go any further. We, we come up with all the things. 1 Corinthians 6.12 says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I'm not going to be dominated by anything. See, what he's saying is, yes, God forgives. But it goes back to what I said earlier. Just because God will forgive, does that mean I should do stupid stuff? I'm going to, I'm going to skip. I'm going to skip today. But I'll still graduate. So <laughs> then it shouldn't matter that I skip, right? I mean, does that not sound like our high school logic? I'm still going to graduate. So whether I go or not, does it make a difference? Okay. Wow. Apparently I was the only person like this. Okay. We come up with all the reasons because if, if, if it still works out in the end, then it doesn't really matter. If my spouse never finds out, if my parents never find out, if nobody else ever finds out, then it's okay that I'm doing this thing that I shouldn't be doing. Is it? Colossians 3.5 says, put to death the sinful desires, the earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy. A greedy person is an idolater worshiping things of this world. Don't do it. As a matter of fact, put it to death. Kill that stuff inside of you. Make sure it doesn't continue to build because once you start feeding that monster, you become the kind of person who's just got all these little secrets all these little hidden lies, all these things. Some of you are starting to shake your head yes because you remember what it's like to be in that world where you're just hoping, I hope they don't find out. Anybody ever get called into a room by your mom? She used your first and middle name. She said, I can't believe you would do this. And you immediately are like, crap, what does she know? <laughs> and then she's just waiting for you to confess and you're like, gotta give me a hint because I ain't gonna confess to something. <laughs> I know what it is you know, because I know a whole lot that you don't know, Mom. <laughs> Give me a hint. What are you mad about right now? So you would just play around. You're like, I know. I'm really sorry about that thing. <laughs> How did you find out about it? You know, you're like, try because you know. I remember being there. Man, some of you guys do not know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so like, I was a good kid, Pastor. Okay. Congratulations. This, this is for the rest of us hoodlums. When you have a whole lot of things that you know you shouldn't have been doing, it's hard to keep track of them. And I think this is the reason that the movie kind of appeals so much is because in the movie, Ferris does get away with it. But there are some truths, even to, the, even to the lie that this movie perpetuates that you can get away with it, there's some truths that it's still hit on. See, once Ferris gets out of school for that day, he then pesters his best friend Cameron to get out of to, to skip and then he he decides he's going to get his girlfriend out of school so he has Cameron pretend to be her dad and call and say that her grandma died so that she can get out of school and I just watched this all unfold I want you to see this quick little clip on how that how that plays out and then we'll talk about it see what I what I see happening there in that scene is the same thing I see happening in our story. Go back to verse 22. Hey, what's wrong? What's wrong? Is everything okay? Yes, Gehazi says, my master has sent me to tell you that two young prophets from the hill country of Ephraim have just arrived and he'd like 75 pounds of silver. My boss had a big change of heart. <laughs> I need some of that money now. And what happens here? See what Gehazi does See, now he gets and he invokes the name of his master. See, it was his sin, his problem, but now he's gone and he's dragged the name of Elisha into this lie. 
He's created two false missionaries. He's just made up people and brought them into the lie. You see what I see as a pastor speaking with people on a weekly basis, I keep finding this truth out too. See, a lot of people, they're like, I didn't realize, Pastor, that this thing I was doing that I didn't think anybody knew about, I didn't realize it was going to affect other people in my life. I didn't realize the damage I was doing to my friendships. Pastor, this is a thing that, that nobody else had any part of, and I kept it a secret, and I kept it hidden, and I kept it all to myself, and there's no way it should affect anybody else, and yet I see it beginning to hurt my marriage or hurt my family or hurt my relationship with my parents or my kids or it's, it's, it's creeping into work. It's creeping into my social life. It's like, it's like this, this thing is, is getting out of control. It's like, it's almost like the things that I do have a tendency to go beyond me and that this sin, this, this sin that I thought was just really small somehow got out of hand and began to have collateral damage. You see, this is the thing. Covert decisions will always cause collateral damage. The thing you're keeping secret right now will bleed out and it will affect relationships in your life. Well, how does my drinking affect somebody else? It will. How does my lying affect somebody else? It will. But pastor, this is my issue. This is the thing that I do in a, in, in a dark corner where nobody else sees it, where nobody else knows what's happening. There's no way that this thing that I shouldn't be doing that nobody even knows about is going to affect them. It will. It will. It says this in Numbers 32, 23. It's a scary verse. He says, hey, if you fail to keep your word, then know that you've sinned against God. He's talking to him about keeping a promise where they said that they were going to be the kind of men that they were supposed to be. And he goes, if you don't keep that promise, know that you've sinned. And then he says this, you may be sure that your sin will find you out. That is a scary verse. The sin will come out. And when that sin comes out, it will have touched and bled over onto the people you love and the people that you are in contact with right now that you, you, you do not believe it's possible. And yet time and time and time again, the conversation I have with people counseling them is, I didn't realize, Pastor. I didn't see it. I didn't know. I'm so sorry. Maybe this message is God's wake-up call to keep you from doing more collateral damage. Because some of you, you're, you're, down, you're going down the wrong path and people are currently getting hurt or about to get hurt from your decisions. And the fact that you don't believe what I just said shows how ignorant you are and how much you've bought into your own lie, into your own sin. This is where we should wake up and go, God, you've called me to bless the lives of the people around me, but I've allowed a sin to come into my life. I've allowed a cancer to come in and now I'm contagious. And the people that are touching me, even the people I love that are innocent, are beginning to, to, to feel the damages of the spirit that I've adopted. Some of you have taken in a toxic spirit of hatred. Some of you have, have adopted fear and anxiety as your, as your operating, as your standard operating procedure. Some of you have, have taken in cynicism and skepticism. Some of you are just, well, I'm just grumpy. No, you're, you're kind of a jerk now. And it's begun to bleed over into the people that love you. It's, it's began to affect the people who have to share a cubicle with you at work. And God has called you to bless the people around you. And what you're doing is you're, toxic, you're toxically poisoning them. And you don't even see it. Some of you are sitting there with your arms crossed right now going, no, not me. Yeah, you. This is what happens when we take in sin and pretend like it doesn't do anything. Luke 8.17 says this. For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open. It can be, you got a secret right now. It'll be brought into the open. And everything that is concealed will be brought to light and what? Be made known to all. How embarrassed would you be if some of the people in your life knew about some of the things that you've kept in the dark? the things that you've hidden away, the things that you're pretending like they don't exist. And what happens when I do that? 
What happens when I do that? Well, if I, if I continue to have this collateral damage where I continue to involve more and more people in my sin and I continue to just feed that thing, what's going to happen is it's going to have to evolve, right? Watch the following scene and see just how Ferris Bueller's lie and in involving his friends has to, has to just grow. It has to escalate. Watch this. And there the story escalates. Because now it's not just about playing hooky, it's about stealing dad's Ferrari. If you remember the story, he says, hey, listen, I need this. I need some, I need some money and some clothes. And in verse 23, Naaman says, by all means, take twice as much silver. And he gave him two sets of clothes and tied it in bags and then sent two of his servants. Gehazi just went to get some money and some clothes. And then the guy's like, I'll double the money and I'll give you servants to carry it. And Gehazi said, no, that's too much. It's too much. I don't, I don't want any more. No, Gehazi was like, okay. Heck yeah, why? Why? Well, just like Ferris and like all of us, once you begin to go down this road of throwing fuel on the fire, don't get surprised if you get burned. Why well, just lit a little match, Pastor? Yeah, it was a little match a couple years ago, but you've been feeding that thing. Now you're consumed by a forest fire and you want to play dumb like, oh, I no clue. <laughs> you didn't? See, feeding today's sin, it only expands tomorrow's appetite. You're not going to be less hungry for the thing you're doing right now in the future because you're feeding it right now. Don't be naive. That's stupid. Let's just at least be adults. If you are feeding a bad habit, if you are indulging in a sin, you don't want less of it tomorrow. You want more. Come on. Some of you started spending money to make yourself happy because you have a feeling of inadequacy or you've tied too much joy to a material possession, and now you don't like spending money anymore? No, you've just racked up more and more credit card bills. You started dating the wrong person because you wanted you wanted to feel loved and attracted, and then all of a sudden you stopped dating bad people. No, you just got a worse partner and a worse partner. We are dumb. We are sheep that don't make smart decisions. That's why we need a shepherd. When we begin to fuel stupidity, we only add to that fire. We shouldn't be surprised that it keeps growing. Yeah, it's just one sin, like it's just one snowflake, but eventually it becomes this avalanche. This pile of sin comes and overwhelms us, and we're like, how did that happen? Because you just kept making a bunch of dumb choices and didn't, and just you, you chose to be blind to the fact of how it grew. Galatians 6 7 says, Don't be misled. You cannot mock God, the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death. From that sinful nature, but those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Praise God. But Pastor, it's okay. I'm, I'm like, there's you. You're all doom and gloom <laughs> this weekend in this message. Be more Ferris Bueller. It's all going to work out. See, that's the lie of Ferris Bueller. I said we would find some truth. Hollywood finds a little bit of truth and crowds it out with a bunch of lies, and you, you take it all in like, it's all good. No, it's not. See, the truth of Ferris Bueller is that we all want a day off. The lie of Ferris Bueller is that you can get away with it, and it'll all work out great. That's why we watched the movie. And we're like, wow, I, that didn't happen for me. Yeah, no, duh, it's a movie. You don't randomly just get to jump up on a float in a parade, and the whole city like comes out in like a choreographed dance. Yeah, that's Hollywood. Jump on a parade and watch you get tased by the cops, okay? That's what happens when you try to do that. The truth of the movie is that we all have that desire. The lie of the movie is that somehow that desire turns out that, that, that it'll work out to be a good thing. It won't. See, Job 20 verses 4 and 5 say this. Don't you realize that from the beginning of time, Ever since people were first placed on the earth, the triumph of the wicked has been short-lived. And the joy, watch this, the joy of the godless has only been temporary. 
The Bible says in Hebrews, there's fun in sin for a season. It is fun. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, woo. Like, I'm not, I'm not like going to be like, oh, no, there's never anything enjoyable about sin. You would know I'm lying. Satan's good enough to make it tempting because he's like, yeah, this does feel good for a while. This is enjoyable for a while. And I will let you experience that while I rob you of any kind of real substance so that you continue to chase something that it becomes less and less so you have to do more and more. Meanwhile, you're losing the most valuable pieces of you. Some of you have been chasing the accomplishments at work and maybe you even got a raise at one point. Maybe you even have a better title this year than you did 10 years ago, but you don't have a relationship with your kids. I don't know, is this microphone on? I feel like there's people going, nah, 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 not me. Do you understand? It's all of us. Like every single one of us do this. I, I may not be able to pinpoint your exact thing this weekend, but you're doing this and I do this. And by God's grace, we don't have to keep doing it. But if you sit there and believe that I'm talking to everybody else except for you, you're going to continue down the path and it's going to be worse for you. Nathaniel Hawthorne said this, if you ever read the Scarlet Letter, I love this quote. No man can... No man for any considerable period can wear one face to himself and another to the multitude without finally getting bewildered as to which one may be true. I can't keep doing wrong and eventually not just get wrapped up in it. Some of you have been pretending that you're okay for so long that the real you and the fake you have just blended together and you can't tell which one's true anymore. And you just hope nobody asks any questions. <laughs> Right? That's why the Pharisees were so good at polishing the outside because they, they just wanted, they wanted to look good from a distance. And you better not ask any real questions. And you better not take a peek below the surface because then you would see just how dirty the inside of the cup was. As long as the outside looks good, I, I'm okay. And Jesus says, no, that's not how it works. Let me read you the end of the story because we're out of time. Let me read you the end of what happens with Gehazi. Remember where we left off? He gets all the money. He gets home. When he gets close to home, he's like, you guys go back. Ah, I can carry it from here. <laughs> he didn't want anybody to see that. And he didn't want them to see that he wasn't supposed to have all that stuff. So he sends the servants back to Naaman, and he takes the money and the stuff, and he goes, and this is what it says in verse 25. Then he, uh, he, or he went and hid it, and it says, then he went to his master, so he hides it in the floor. He buries it up. He covers up his sin. And then he went to his master, and Elisha asked him, Hey, where you been, Gehazi? Uh, I haven't been anywhere, boss. I haven't been anywhere. And Elisha asked him, Hey, don't you realize that I was there in spirit when Naaman stepped down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to receive money and clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and cattle and male and female servants? Do you think right now is a good idea to take, to take rewards from people who don't even know the real true God? Don't you see what we're trying to do, Gehazi? We have a bigger mission than your greed. We're trying to reach the people who are dying without God. Don't you understand your life should be more than this? Is this the time to be stupid? And he's like, oh, I didn't do anything. He goes, no, you did. Now, I want to remind you of what it was he said to himself. He says, as surely as the Lord lives, I will chase after Naaman and I will get something from him. That's what he swore to God that he would do. Why did Naaman come to Elisha? That's not a trick question. I told you at the beginning. Get rid of his leprosy. Let's go back to the end. Because This is Elisha talking to him. Because you have done this, Gehazi, you and your descendants will suffer from Naaman's leprosy forever. And when Gehazi left the room, he was covered with leprosy. His skin was white as snow. He got something from Naaman. He got a lot more than the gold, right? Wasn't well, that how it is? Sin will take you further than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay. See, you give Satan an inch in your life, he will take a mile. Some of you are flirting right now with some stuff you shouldn't be doing some stuff that you got away with for a while, and you think, ah, nobody's caught me, so I'm good. I've been neglecting my body. I've been neglecting my spirit. I've been neglecting the things that God has called me to do. Maybe you're not sitting here in out and outright sin. Maybe you're not spending the weekends getting high, or maybe you're not robbing banks, and you're like, oh, I'm good. I haven't done anything really bad. 
But you know what you have done is you've begun, you've, you've gotten in a habit of denying what it is that God has called you to be. And you should be in this moment right now a much better man or a much better, a much better woman of God. And you're not there. And you've told yourself it's okay because you're better than some of the people. And what, you're, what you don't realize is that you're missing out on God's best. And Satan is robbing you of what it is that God had for you because you've you decided a little bit of gold is better. And in the meanwhile, you don't even see all the leprosy coming your way. You just don't see it. There is a way out. We have to do something different than what Ferris does. See, Ferris Bueller comes face to face with getting caught. Watch this last clip and then we'll close. There it is, right? He's caught, but he's not caught. I don't want to ruin the movie for those of you who haven't seen it. That happens about 20 times. The reason I showed you that one, and it's not even the coolest one, but what I liked about it is he comes face to face with his father and his friend says, let's just surrender. And he says, never, right? Never. See, Gehazi got home and Elisha said, hey, where you been? He had a chance. Hey boss, I, uh, man, I, I got a wild hair. I did something stupid. I'm sorry. Greed got the better of me. I'm an idiot. Here's what I did. What does Gehazi do? Uh, nothing, I haven't done anything. Just, just doubles down on his lie, doesn't he? Ferris runs into his dad. And rather than say, Dad, I was lying. I've been playing hooky. He's like, I'm going to scoot around this because I don't want to get punished. I don't want to get in trouble. I can still keep having fun. I think for many of you, this moment right now is that moment where God knew you would be here listening to this message, and he's saying, hey, there's a couple of things in your life that I don't like, and you know I don't like them, and I want you to admit that you're doing them, and let's fix them. And you're having the same debate. Should I surrender? Never. I can get away with it. Ecclesiastes 12, 14 says, God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. See, the pro of that is if you're doing good things and nobody's patting you on the back and you're, you're doing what you're supposed to do, but nobody notices and nobody appreciates it, God notices and he's got a reward for you. The scary part of that is you might be doing some things you know you shouldn't be doing, and since nobody else knows, you think you got away, and it says God will judge. Let me remind you that the Bible promises, and I read you this verse not too long ago, Proverbs 28, 13, people who conceal their sins will not prosper. But I can get away with it. You're only getting away with it for the time being. For now. But I'm having fun. For now. But nobody knows for now. But it hasn't affected anybody else in my life for now. And so you've bought that lie that for now means forever and it doesn't. People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. They will receive mercy. See, we get, a, we get a chance like Ferris Bueller, we get a chance to come face to face with our father right now in this moment. I pray you'll be better. My hope is that you would realize that what we're talking about isn't a dumb playing hooky from school day. We're talking about something that matters for all of eternity. And in this moment, your heavenly father is standing there saying, I know that you know that there's some things that aren't right in your life. Will you keep concealing it, pretending like this moment isn't happening? Or will you take advantage of this moment right now and do what that verse said? See, the last thing that I'm reminded of is the truth that that Hollywood movie misses out on so much. See, what God's word does is it tells us the things we, we don't want to hear, but we need to hear. Movies tell us that everything's a happy ending and we can be as selfish as we want and it'll work out and that's not true. See, what God's word tells us is that the only way out of sin 
is surrender. Is surrender. And that's something you and I hate to do. We don't want to surrender. I'm in control, Pastor Josh. I'll figure out my problems. I'll fix my issues. I've got it. No, surrender. You ain't got it. Here's the thing that I want to set you free of tonight. This weekend, you need to understand that you don't have to have it. Oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. You don't got it, and you don't have to got it. Jesus got it. He took care of it. He has it. Yeah, you can make some noise for that. That's something to be like, wow, I, I don't have to cover it. You don't. 1 John 1, 9, if we will just surrender and confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just to forgive us of our sins. God will not let you have a face-to-face -face with him where you own up about your sin and him go, well, I'm, I'm going to hold that against you. If you will surrender, he will forgive. But it's going to require you being a little bit more honest than Ferris Bueller. It's going to require you being a little bit more humble, a little bit more willing to admit that there's a lot more damage that you're doing and that is coming if you fail to correct course. To repent means to stop going in that direction and to go the opposite direction. Some of you are halfway there. You're like, you're right. I shouldn't do that. That's not repentance. Repentance is that is sin. I'm going to stop doing it and I'm going to start doing this. That's where the heart changes. I'm not telling you to regret your mistakes. That's not what God has for you. He doesn't want you to live in regret. He wants you to live in repent. Let's go the opposite way. Let's, let's go find some good. Let me pray over you, if you will. Just bow your head and close your eyes. And as I pray out loud, I'd encourage you right where you're sitting to pray. Right where you're at, pray right where you're at and ask God to do a work in your heart. Some of you in this moment right now, you need the forgiving hand of God in your life. You have things that shouldn't be in your life and you know it and you've struggled to admit it. Some of you, you would hate if anybody else ever found out about some of this stuff from your past or some of the things you've even got currently going on. But here's the thing, God already knows. So how about in this moment, just admitting it and saying, God, I need your forgiveness. I need to repent of this. I need to change. If you have a relationship with God and yet you've been denying him access, if your father has not been in your life the way he should because you are not as clean as you should be, you haven't really let him do the work that he wants to do in your life. If you be honest enough with nobody looking around, everybody's eyes closed, everybody, everybody should have their eyes closed and their head bowed, so I want you to have privacy. If in this moment, if in this moment you would say, that's me, I need forgiveness. I have sin in my life that shouldn't be there. Pastor, pray for me. You can just slip your hand up really quick and put it back down. But it's going to require you being humble and being honest. That's me. I recognize I, I need forgiveness. I have some things that I haven't, I haven't, got, I, I haven't let God get rid of. That's me. I, I'm, I'm trying to pull the wool over somebody's eyes. I'm, I've got a con job going. I, that's me. I'm doing damage and I don't even realize it. Pray for me. Hands all over the place. Thanks for being honest. I know it's not easy. Pray for me. Pray for me, pastor. I, I need that. I need that this weekend. I need to repent of some things. Some of you, it's too hard to lift your hand because you're not ready to admit, but you need to know that that's how God sets you free is when you surrender to him. Will you surrender right now? Just raise your hand. That's me. I'm surrendering. I am not who I should be. Forgive me, God. That's a testimony. It's an act of faith to raise your hand and say, I need this. Now, I can't pray that. I can't pray that for you. You have to pray that. I will pray for you that you have the strength to do it. But why not, why not right where you're at right now, you just say, God, forgive me. Some of you need it for the very, very first time to truly invite God in as your Lord and Savior. Some of you need a Savior because you've never truly given him access. So while there's people praying all around you, why don't, why don't you make that, that, that truthful decision to admit, 
that you've never surrendered to God, but in this moment right here, right now, you're willing to do it. If that's you, if you would say, Pastor, I I've never really had a relationship with God. I've never really surrendered my life. But in this moment, right here where I'm sitting, I need Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Will you pray for me? If you'll slip your hand up, I'll pray for you. You say, that's me. I need Jesus. I need this forgiveness. I see it. Hands, hands, several hands. That's me. I need that right now. I've never really had it and I need it right now. I need a Savior. Pray for me. Hands, I see them. Thank you. That's hard to do to say you need a savior. That's the ultimate surrender. I'm gonna pray out loud and I hope that every single one of you pray quietly right where you're at and either invite Jesus Christ in as your Lord and savior or you ask him to show you ways that you can walk closer with him. If you don't walk out of this room different than how you walked in, it was a waste of time. Do not leave here without looking a little bit more like Jesus as you walk out. If you want that, ask God to show you how. I promise you he will. As I pray, you pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you for who you are. God, thank you for all that you've given us. Thank you for your love. And God, thank you for the stories of people who screw up and yet you still love them. And God, we have time and time again examples of your love that you said if we would just confess, you would forgive. So Lord, in this moment, we confess that we need you. God, you saw the hands of the people who raised up and admitted that they are not where they need to be. So Lord, I ask that you would work in their hearts right now, the people who willingly admitted that they need you more than they need anything else, the people who admitted that there's sin in their life that they need to get rid of. God, I pray you would do a transforming work, a work of redemption. And God, I, I pray so much for the people who raised their hand for salvation, the people who who said that in this moment they want to surrender to you as a Lord and Savior. God, I pray that you would give them the strength and the courage to truly open up and invite you in, that they would be honest with you and that they would make a decision today that would last for all of eternity to have Jesus Christ at the center of their life. Lord God, I pray this and I believe this is possible because of your word and because of the work of Jesus Christ. And we ask all of this in his precious and holy name. Amen. If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and around the world, you can visit harborchurch.com give or text any amount to 84321. Thanks for listening. See you next week.